This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I don't know. Fly casual. What is going on, everyone, and welcome to a special release, a special little episode here on the Octo Radio Star Wars podcast feed. I'm Alden Diaz, and today I am so excited to be diving further into Star Wars Visions Volume 2, a season that has taken the Star Wars world by storm with some of the most incredible, elegant, and gorgeous examples of Star Wars storytelling that I've ever experienced. I'm really excited today because this is a special roundtable that was done and recorded with Rodrigo Blas, the director of Sith. El Giri Studios' contribution to the anthology. It's the one that kicks it off so when you start Star Wars Visions Volume 2, you're thrown right in with this story. It's a story of artistic identity, healing, personal growth, duality, light, dark. It's got such beautiful uses of color and pushes the medium of animation Uh, to some glorious heights, and I was honored to have Octo Radio be a part of this roundtable with some other shows and outlets and journalists all asking questions of Rodrigo Blas, this incredible director who got to play in the Star Wars sandbox. It was really, really special, and representing Octo Radio in this roundtable is my friend and collaborator, Nikki Kumar, who does a rewatch between worlds with me here on the feed, Um, also the Imperial Senate podcast and a contributor to Cashflow Talk with myself and Ken Knapsack. Nikki was on this roundtable with people from this space that you will know and love and recognize, and uh, I'm really excited for you all to hear it. So when I throw it over now to that audio, it's going to change a little bit, just so you know. Um, the audio for the for the journalists and then the question askers um, is a little bit rough around the edges. That happens sometimes. Uh, we're recording in different countries this time uh, with everything going on uh, with this international production. We had Rodrigo Blas all the way in Spain. Um, I've done my best to clean up that audio a little bit, but... I promise you that these answers from Rodrigo are impeccable, and it's it's definitely worth your time. Uh, it's a beautiful exploration of the art form, and I'm really excited for you all to hear it. So without further ado, enjoy this special roundtable for El Geary Studios and their Star Wars vision short, Sith. Hola, Rodrigo. I'm Gustavo from Pride of the Force. Such a pleasure to meet you, and thank you so much for this beautifully animated short. We really, really loved it. And my question has to do with culture and representation. And with them, and the Star Wars celebration in London at the press conference, you have mentioned how Pablo Picasso and Don Miro, like mm. inspirations for like the art style. And looking at the short, also we saw like the lightsaber jump designs were clearly inspired by traditional uh, Spanish rapier built uh, designs. So, like my question has to do with all that, like how did all of these pieces come together for uh, the short? How did they inspire the story? And like. Uh, so the, the way I approach the, the, the again, and thank you for the compliments for sure. I'm, I'm very, very curious about the you know the response on the short. But uh, the way I approached this story was not so much from a cultural point of view, but more almost like you know a personal. I felt like okay, you know, I grew up in Spain, so just by you know thinking of of stories and, and trying to make that uh, you know something that can be universal, or can be. 
understood all around the world and be part of Star Wars. But in that will be, you know, culture will probably come out. Uh, what is what is great is, again, the team that I had was, you know, uh, is is um, the leadership is, is from Spain, right? So, you know, when we were getting these kind of references, they will pick it up very fast. I'm, uh, I'm very fascinated. Our studio, we just opened a couple of years ago for the short, and we actually are very close to, you know, the center of Madrid, where you can actually walk, almost like do a five-minute walk and go from the Prado to the Reina Sofia. And you kind of see the history of art in front of your eyes in a walk, in a, in a, in a couple hours, right? You go from a very figurative, you know, art form like Velázquez and Goya to a very, you know, liberating Picasso. And, and, and just seeing that, almost like, you know, I was thinking, you know, okay, I get a chance to do this. I have a blank canvas. That is kind of what Lucasfilm offered uh, in a, you know, an amazing way, right? So I was like, okay, I'd love to connect part of that force through art to uh, that kind of inspiration that happened, especially, you know, in the 20th century and how, you know, we're very close, almost inspiration to Demoiselle de Avignon, the, the, the famous uh, Picasso painting and how it was one of the pioneers of abstract painting. So really, you know, um, being able to graphically, pictorically push visuals and animation was, again, uh, and at the same time, be respectful of the mythology of Star Wars, but be bold, right? There was a lot of like connection there. Uh, so that's really one of the sources of inspiration. And of course, in the way you're like, when you're thinking of a, of a, an, hang, uh, an anger where like she, Lola lives, while you're looking at the rooftops of, you know, some of the cities in, in, in the center of Spain, when you're looking at the hilt, you go through the history of, you know, Spain and swordmanship. So those are things that kind of like started to, um, come naturally into into the narrative. Thank you. Hi, I'm Charlotte from Sky Talkers. It's so great to talk with you today. I really enjoyed the short. Thank you. Um, the drawing at E2 is such a great addition to the Star Wars droid family. How did his design mm -hmm. come about? So, you know, I, I come from, my background is a character animator. So one of the first thing I wanted to really design when I got the call to make this short was, okay, you, you know, you had that kind of bucket list of things you want to design. The droid came with this idea that you usually, you know, I, 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 I kind of remember moments, right? And I always remember uh, R2-D2, and when he was excited, he will do this kind of move where he just kind of almost jump, right? And it's so specific to make you know him emotional and actually transmit an emotion through that movement. So part of you know creating the design was like okay, let's try to you know avoid rolling. So let's get him like this kind of spider-like little leg so we can actually create um, you know very you know simple head tilts. I think the audience part of the you know and this is the idea on the whole short is like I wanted the audience to fill the gaps like you know to connect the dots themselves and not give them all the answers just have them in a journey of discovery uh, and the droid is that is is we looked a lot at, at little dogs almost like a, you know at puppies and, and try to figure out you know uh, these almost like or also border collies I always talk to the animators about let's look at border collies and, and dogs that actually have this kind of shepherd uh, feel because the droid is there to kind of you know almost like protect you know it feels like very specific about protecting Lola and like you know being aware of like watch out and so and so those creating that relationship through design but also through movement was super important right. Hi, Brandon from Talking Eighty Four. Yeah. You mentioned 
attention, filling in the gaps. And I, it, with these archetypal characters, it's very interesting to see them and being placed in their story. Did you and your team discuss their backstories internally while you were building these characters? How did that inform the way you wrote the screen? Uh, that, that has been something that I've been thinking the last couple of years, even when I was writing the script, was this is almost like, a, and you, you've seen the short, like it's a moment in time, it's a culmination of a journey to two characters, right? Um, is a face-off, right? So for me, you know, I, every every line of dialogue, I wanted to imbue it with backstory, right? It's almost like everything there has to connect to a moment that these characters have lived through because, again, there is a dramatic learning experience in, 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 in the way that I'm thinking about, uh, you know, the Sith order, right, and how rigorous that education needs to be, you know, it actually mimics, and that's, I think, part of the, the appeal of the Star Wars mythology, that it mimics some of the, you know, learning of history, and I think it was the way that it was connected and, and how we connect to it, because we see some similarities to, to, you know, kind of history, right? So part of that, you know, you know, was always thinking, like, that must, must have been a dramatic escape or a dramatic breakup. Uh, so again, I, I started, you know, your ramble and you start, you know, taking uh, and, and thinking of unraveling and unwrapping the story and that kind of like um, many of those choices and dialogue and moments come from that, uh, from probably other encounters and even from growing up uh, learning about the Sith and having to choose a different path. Hi, Oh, thank you. Um, so there's so many shots throughout the story that kind of stick with you even after the episode's over. For me, it's the shot of the Sith Master dragging the lightsaber down the hallway. Mm. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> are there any moments or shots that are your favorites? I have a, a very specific moment, and I, you know, was I, you know, in, in animation, especially in CG, you know, there's a, there's a great team behind it, and many hands touch a shot, right? So that's one. You know, there's one that actually I was there trying to connect the camera is the shot where is a, a shot of realization of Lola right from uh, when she realized that darkness is part of the picture this camera that is on her looks down the camera you know kind of tilts down and then we see kind of the force kind of the dark force in a way and her controlling it through the arm and then you know seeing the, the darkness expanding on the floor and then lifting those dark bubbles of you know of painting that we've seen before that she cannot control so much into like now fully realized. So we, we did a lot of back and forth. We you know we changed the lighting from the beginning of her to afterwards to see that kind of resolution enlightenment uh, coming up. So moments like that are great and I'm have as you know I have one more that is when the little droid discovers the little flower that is growing uh, you know it's one of these where like very very specific very uh, a special moment when she you know we, we kind of use the the, the, the droid to actually change um, again just witness uh, you know this kind of creation on, on painting right Hi, Rodrigo. Thank you from, uh, Dr. Radio. Uh, first of all I just want to echo everyone else and say Shore is amazing oh, and uh, speaks so beautifully to a lot of the great Star Wars themes. But I wanted to ask you, because I'm curious about this in your previous work, um, Troll Hunters originally began development as a feature film and then eventually lived uh, with the great acclaim on uh, Netflix as an animated series. I'm sure it opened up all sorts of new storytelling avenues and different opportunities that you, maybe, you, know, you weren't expecting at the beginning. Sure. Um, 
But I was wondering if you feel like Visions as a sort of project benefits artistically by being a series of shorts on a streaming platform, or do you feel like any of these, you know, any episode from you know, volume one, volume two, could be just as effective as a feature film? And then I guess by extension, like, what do you feel like is possible for Star Wars in an animated? Um, that's a great question. I think, um, again, I, I really love how Star Wars Vision came together, right? And uh, what the Lucasfilm team is is kind of doing with it, right? Is, is actually, you know, making it um, a safe space in a way that let, you know, creators bring a dis- different point of view, a prism uh, almost like of what that Star Wars mythology that has been a long time with us, right? And how you can use that to bring different stories. I think that's, um, I think it's part of the richness of the mythology and what it actually lets um, the creators do in a way, right? Uh, um, and, and write is part of what I think is, uh, is, is again, it's very specific to that, right? I do, again, I, I think there, you know, because, I th- and, and I can tell you about my journey, not about some of the, and I'm very excited about the other creators and what are they creating with with, uh, with different mediums too, like, you know, how also Visions is not narratively giving something new uh, and, and actually letting, creating that sandbox to play, but also actually experiment visually in animation, right? So I think that is not something that is, it's hard to see, right, in studios that, you know, I have to really, you know, kind of place a bet on an animation show. Um, This is, that's what is great is like, you know, you're getting this, you know, excitement of, okay, let's use actually this, you know, anthology just to push different boundaries, right? For me was, okay, let's, in the way that I was thinking of Sith, you know, it can be, it live in a, in a Star Wars world, right? I, I was thinking more pre prequels in a way, like far away, that kind of medieval time that they talk about. But, but I always thought like, you know, there's, you know, if, you know, that those kind of moments could, you know, could be part of the source of this, right? Of this show, these characters. But I want to think that way, right? I think, uh, you know, that's the way that probably someone else did more of a contained story. But again, that's what mythology, you know, well thought out and visually simple mythology does. It actually, it lays the groundwork for you to create structure like, you know, the classic mythologies that we still create stories from, right? And, uh, in, 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 you know, in our world, right? Hi. Um... If it wasn't so visually striking, I probably wouldn't ask this question, but did the visuals inspire the story or did the story inspire the visuals? Because the visuals and the way they use just seems so important in, in the broader story of the, of the Um Sure, I think for me it was um, it was a whole, right? I wanted to create a piece that you know you had that reaction. It's like where where does this come from? Mostly because I do like when all you know, and again I, I love that kind of one that happened in cinema is when everything clicks uh, because you know um, again short film, film, TV. It's a very it's a medium that actually is an almost like a unity of different approaches different mediums right so i really like when everything is used and every frame is supercharged with all of those things right the 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 inspiration for the short kind of came from a couple of places one a little longer uh and have a little bit more of, of a longer gestation that was 
my, you know, myself wanting to play with a blank canvas and trying to bring color and bring these kind of, you know, um, these connecting the dots through painting and finding, you know, strong color palettes that actually uh, visually you can stop the frame and actually it feels like an illustration, but in motion it feels like animation. One of these things where you cannot quite uh, grasp, you know, how it was done. And then narratively, the character of Lola came from, you know, I've told that story before, but, uh, you know, the idea of... Um, um, una mirada is called in Spanish. That is, it's a hard one to translate. It's like, you know, a look or a gaze or it's something that, um, you know, my daughter, you know, it was a little small moment that could have been, you know, imperceptible. But during the pandemic, she wanted to get out of the house with flip-flops one of the first time we're leaving. And I'm kind of the typical dad is like, no, 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 we're going to get shoes and all these type of things that you've thought in your mind. And then my daughter looked at me with different eyes that I've seen her before, you know, when she was 10. And I realized that moment, like, you know, there was a, there was there was wisdom on that look. There was, there was a, you know, almost like defy. There was a, you know, there was so many things in that look that is like, you know, it kind of switched my point of view of like how I saw her at that moment. And I realized, wow, okay, I'm, you know, this is actually a different thing of what I've been experiencing before about, you know, shepherding, you know, your daughter or whatever, how you want to educate, right? So that actually was, again, a very strong visceral moment that I wanted to, you know, make, you know, Lola part of it. In the short, it has happened before the short, but it is, um, but it's still that kind of, um, you know, wanting to defy that, you know, and create her own path and, you know, journey uh, is, is part of that story too. Right? Yeah, this is uh, Brian Young with Full of Sid. I wanted to ask about oh, the, 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 the theme of the, the, the story. It's a very strong statement, especially in a world where it seems like art is sort of valued less and less. You came out swinging with a really strong statement about how art is a path to find the light in someone. And I'm wondering if you could just speak to that and where that, that came from and why you felt Star Wars was the place to do that, because I haven't seen something like this before. Uh, that probably comes from, I, you know, again, I've, I've been in the industry for a while and I've been in development for a long time. So, I, you know, you, you get trained to get rejected, right? Uh, that's actually what, you know, you're, you know if you want to make these kind of projects, you have to train yourself to be in that place. Um, and you get a lot of comments. And there was one exec that told me uh, very dismissively, it was like, oh, you want to do art in a long time ago, right? And that kind of always stayed with me. And I, I realized, well, this maybe is the great opportunity to, because, they, you know, they give you a blank canvas and maybe that's actually where you can actually connect both but um you know it's interesting right these days um it's a you know we live in 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 definitely challenging times because it's hard to value or to put a value on something right it's hard to understand what is the value of something right um and i still believe like you know if it really hits your core emotionally if there's a beauty to it if there's you know uh, a craft that you know a team has put into it i really value those things right and i still think think that is like you know one of the highest values we can you know bring to a medium like animation so that's always been very simple my approach and i kind of like this was the perfect opportunity to use okay uh, you know star wars visions and actually bring again a different point of view but always aiming to to create you know visual value visual protein right into into it so the question that really had that was really interesting for me looking not just at your short but like all the shorts of uh, visions is the treatment of the sith 
And traditionally in Star Wars, like the Sith are viewed as a binary of evil uh, versus Jedi, which are good. But uh, Visions, especially Season 2, Volume 2, has given us a more nuanced approach of like uh, what the dark side is and what the Sith is. And this short is very emblematic of that, especially with how the use of color and art to show like all this journey. Mm. So can you expand on that a little bit? Like what your views of the Sith and the dark side is in reference to the character's journey in this episode? Yeah, I think, you know, again, that's where the, the, the best, you know, villains or dark side, not to just uh, simplify it, but those, the best uh, characters that come out of that kind of dark side is when they have these kind of uh, dichotomies, right? These kind of, uh, you know, almost like a, there's ideas that you can connect to, but at the same time, you know that they are, you know, they're not, you know, done from the right place, right? Um, for me, I call it like, you know, more than shade of gray. In our short, we wanted to do shade of color, right? Um, you know, I don't think is is you know is a duality. That there's a, there's you know one of the things that I like concept wise in terms of you know my life and um, and I and I tried to add it to this short was this idea that you can live many lives in one life, right? And you can make choices that you know confront you and not easy, but actually they will put you in a place where like you'll discover other things and meet other cool people, right? And I think part of uh, this is what Lola does in the short, right? Is, is actually, she wanted to find, you know, a different, well, she made a choice, right? And a choice that has big consequences, right? Whatever you are, that, you know, that is a statement and is, you know, a, state, a statement on her side of disobedience, right? And trying to, you know, move away from that Sith order, right? So I think, again, the audiences are, are becoming way more aware of these things. They actually are looking to understand that because I do think we're going into a world where we're going to need to have these tools to understand what's coming because it's like, you know, it's very, you know, these kind of choices or what is good evil are very blurred these days. And actually, we need to get into nuanced storytelling to understand, again, what is what is valuable, what is like, you know, what is, you know, what is that journey uh, that you have to, and the choices you have to make. I have a question about why, uh, how, do you, how do you think Lola's story continues after the short, and if you have an inkling about where it, where it heads? Ooh, that's that's hard because I only think a backstory. So I, I, you know, but again, as a statement, and this is probably a spoiler, right? After, uh, but uh, but it's this idea that again, she was able to change a small, the small home where she lived, right, and make it uh, look or make it, you know, a place that is kind of very gritty and is hospital, like you can actually, you know, very rugged place uh, into almost like a nice cocoon. And then at the end of the short, she actually is able to change almost planets, right? So again, that is kind of a, a big statement. It's hard to think farther down the line, but I, I like to this line that she says, like, you know, uh, a more welcoming home, right? And I think that is what uh, I think, you know, it's part of what you have to find in life, right? It's like, you know, just, hey, if you're not liked in a place, maybe it's time to find a more welcoming place. And then, you know, someone that, um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of connected to the making of the short too, like, you know, coming to Spain, to Madrid, creating, Nilgiri Studios and, and and to make this short, you know, I've kind of 
you know, had a, a good team that had worked before, but there was another new talent and skills that actually came with those uh, new people that actually really gave something special to this. So it's a great, you know, that's what is a great journey. And, and I always think of the experiences of these projects as, you know, not only the, the project itself and what it comes out, but the experience that you go through making it because you meet pretty interesting and, and amazing artists on the, on the path. I'll do last one. Okay, let's do the last one. Okay, um, I just wanted to specifically ask you about uh, to cover again sort of the Sid uh, Master's Hilt because I think it was really influenced by uh, LC's yes. Arizona, I think. Um, I was wondering where, that, where the design process you decided to go there and, and why specifically that story. So that there's, uh, there's actually a lot of like inspiration to those designs. Um, I wanted to, again, there's a big history of uh, sword making in, in Spain, right? And I wanted to, and again, there, you know, I wanted to connect that uh, to, I think, how Star Wars movie art crafts and, and Star Wars in general, you know, the artistry that is behind it and is, is very nuanced, it's very delicate. Like, you know, everything is, is designed in a way that is, you know, functional, but at the same time, there's a beauty to it. There's a, there's, it feels used. So, you know, I wanted to imbue that design with history and, and Sith, right? And the, the two things that are, you know, the hills are, you know, different almost styles of swordsmanship, sword, right? It's like, you know, one is more medieval, buckle, right? That's kind of the master. And that's actually the medieval, you know, uh, Tithona, right? The, the, the sword of El Cid. And then there's another one that was more of a rapier feel. But again, instead of like making a rapier, I wanted to, you know, imbue it with influences of what, um, again, George Lucas, probably some of the influences of the movies that are, you know, Kurosawa movies and samurai movies, right? And that katana. Uh, so there's, you know, there's different places I wanted to, you know, it felt like right visually, but yeah, those hills were, you know, very specific at, at how, where those come from. So great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. And thank you so much, everyone, once again, for joining us here on Octa Radio for that special presentation of the Sith Roundtable. Thanks so much again to our friends at Lucasfilm, Disney, Disney Plus for including us here. And of course, to Mr. Rodrigo Blas and the whole team at El Giri Studios for that incredible, not just thoughtful deep dive into the meaning behind the work, but for gifting Star Wars fans this experience. It's been a huge, huge honor uh, to be a part of the rollout. And we're excited for more Visions coverage coming up in uh, the coming episodes. Um, I can you know fans of spy dancer maybe fans of the pit um, are going to be excited to hear uh, some of the insights that are going to be coming up and uh, as for right now we're going to call it uh, a day in this episode you can find octo radio on all your podcast platforms a-h-c-h-t-o radio find me personally at that alden diaz t-h-a-t-a-l-d-e-n-d-i-a-z and be sure to find nikki at nequitius on all platforms instagram i believe he's at nictifer again imperial senate podcast his home here on the rebels rewatch rewatch world uh, and then of course and all his other projects and endeavors one of the smartest most brilliant people i know one of my very best friends uh, so as for right now we're gonna end this episode with one final rallying cry for you all to go sit down and start star wars visions volume two you won't regret it and we'll catch you next time punch it chewy